So Ephesians 6, just a reminder to you as we uh, studied this thoroughly for the last nine weeks. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Verse 11, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So we see what it was in that last series, Winning at Warfare, what it is to be armored with Christ and how to stand our ground, how to engage uh, the battle through prayer, as we saw last week. But I want us to now discover what is this atmosphere of the heavenlies? What is this conflict that's happening up there that's resulting in how I'm responding down here? And who are these that are involved? Who are these principalities, these powers, these rulers, these authorities? What is happening over us? I believe then we can better understand what's happening here. Amen? So we're going to take a, a few weeks and we're going to look at angels and demons. Now, by the way, there, there were some misconceptions. Well, there were a lot of misconceptions in the on the street interview. We're not going to answer all those today. We're going to answer some of them. But I, the one guy says, you know, dead people turn into angels. That's not true, my friend. That's not true. Your, your great aunt Sally may have been a, a beautiful saint of God, but she's a redeemed saint of God, not an angel fighting warfare. She is in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, not all angels have wings. Of course, our our graphic shows them with wings. There are cherubim and seraphim. Scripture seems to indicate that they have wings, but not all angels do we know that we know of all have wings. Um, angels are not people. We'll talk about this in a moment, but they will sometimes in their mission for God in serving us as the church will appear as a person for a, a time, a moment, but angels are not people. We'll talk about that in a little more detail here in a moment. But I want us to uh, consider this idea of how our culture is so wrapped up in the supernatural. Every major TV network and every major cable network has TV shows that uh, mostly are about demon type of characters and storylines and activity. Um, very few about actual angels themselves, but there's an indicator that our culture is consumed with the supernatural, with psychics and fortune tellers and, and that kind of deal, with TV and music and all that that uh, uh, glamorizes the, the, the supernatural, but typically on a, on a dark side. And so I've thought about why is that? Why is culture so interesting? Why do we find it so interesting? I'm excited about this. Why am I excited about this series. So this idea of the supernatural, uh, maybe here's some reasons why we find ourselves drawn to it. One is, uh, of course, Ecclesiastes, God's word says that he has planted or placed eternity in our hearts. So there is something inside of us that does know down inside. We can claim to be an atheist, but we can't, re we can't deny what's deep down in the very recesses of our heart. And that is there's something beyond this right here. And so we're drawn to those things, to discover, to, to imagine. We, we, we like to even imagine what that is. And so we're drawn perhaps because we've got that. And God put that, that, that yearning for eternity in our hearts so we would seek him. 
in the process, we kind of may get distracted by looking for created things instead of the creator. Um, angels, why do we want to study them? Over 280 times they're referenced in the Bible. Now you see them, I didn't realize this until I was doing some research this week for today's teaching, but uh, we see them a lot in the Old Testament. We, 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 we see them on the scene. But do you realize that there are actually more references about angels in the New Testament than there are in the Old Testament? So I say, let's learn. Let's discover who these angels are that are warring on our behalf. Let's become friends. <laughs> How about that? Um, why study? Angels and demons in this very moment, as Paul said, the warfare in the heavenlies. Angels and demons in this very moment are fighting against each other. And their prize is you. They're fighting for you. So we need to figure out what's going on. Take our armor and stand. So we're going to discover what God's word has to say. So I'm going to lay three truths of foundation. This is all introductory. Going to be a bunch of scripture. The notes are on our Victory Family Church app because uh, we're going to use a lot of scriptures. Uh, so many scriptures that not even all the scriptures made it to the app. I noticed this morning when I looked at the app, but we're going to, we're going to cover a ton of scriptures this morning. So this is all foundational. And the very first cornerstone to be laid is this one truth right here. There is only one God. There is only one God. We will study angels. We will study demons. And we will study them from the paradigm that there is only one God and they are not him. They are created beings by him. We'll explain that more in a moment. But look at with me at Colossians chapter 1. And wouldn't you know it, my place marker got lost. No, it didn't. Here it is. I just had one of those mornings, man. Huh? No, I, I, did, I did have it marked. I thought I did. I lost my little doohickey that goes over my microphone here a while ago, and now I don't know where. Oh, I spy. Found it. But it's working okay without it right now. Spilt coffee all over my front seat of my car this morning. Discovered I typoed on the letter. I just feel like schlep rock this morning. Anyway, God is good, right? So here we go. Colossians chapter 1. Notice this. Beginning in verse number 15. The Son is the image of the invisible God. He is the firstborn over what? All of creation. He existed before creation. For in Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities there and here, all things have been created through him and for him. So our first truth that we got to build off of is that there is only one God. God is the only one who is omniscient, who is all-knowing. Angels and demons do not know all things. Again, part of our teaching in a moment. But only God is omniscient. Only God knows end from beginning, all at one time. Only God is omnipresent. Only God can be everywhere at, any, at, at the same time. Angels cannot be everywhere at the same time. 
Did you know the devil, Satan, cannot be everywhere at one time? Now, his demons, he's got enough of them that they can do his bidding wherever his plans lead to. But he himself is not omnipresent. He's only one place at a time. You may feel like he's at your family reunion. I don't know that that's him, but there's probably some of his friends there. And you're like, yeah, amen, I see him every time we meet. Only God is omnipotent and all-powerful. Now, angels and demons are very powerful, but their power is given to them by God. So God is God. Angels, supernatural beings, are not God. Therefore, they are not to be worshipped. God is the only one who cannot be corrupted by evil. Apparently, angels could and can because a third of them rebelled with Satan and fell to the earth with him. They chose to rebel against God instead of serve God. God cannot be corrupted by evil, and he did not create evil. That will be a part of our teaching series yet to come. We will discover what does the Scripture teach about how evil came into existence in this world. He is the exact opposite of everything that is evil. He stands alone. He is high and lifted up above all, and he is completely unequaled. All of that means one thing. He is holy. He is Holy, completely unique from any other part of existence of mankind, humankind, supernatural kind. He is unique. He is holy. He is the past. He is the present. He is the future. All at one time, he is the church. I am. And he is to be worshipped and exalted. And we bow to him. You ever notice many times, particularly in the New Testament, when an angel appears... And the human person that he's appearing to is so taken back, they bow down. And what do the angels typically tell them when they arrive like that? Stand up. I am only a person like you. They are not to be worshipped. So that's the first foundational truth. Everything will be built off that. Here's your second truth in the introduction this morning. Angels were created supernatural beings. They have not existed for eternity as God has. They were, however, well... Here we have it again in verse 16. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones, powers, rulers, or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. They are created beings as are you. They were created in a different fashion than you, but they are created beings in submission to the one true God, the only God. So let me give you just a couple of points about angels and their creation. One is this. Angels were created before creation existed. Before God spoke and creation existed, angels had already been created somewhere out there in only the time spans that God understands. A day is as a thousand years. A thousand years are as a day. They were created before God created the heavens and the earth. Job chapter 38. Here we go. Watch this one. After all of Job's sufferings and all of his friends and everybody trying to figure out what's up with Job and his life and God, God comes to Job and he says, Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me, he says, if you, have, if you understand what it was like when I created the earth, then Job speak. Goes on in verse 7 and says, Where were you when the morning stars, angels, sang together, 
and all the sons of God, which means angels, shouted for joy. Where were you, Job? What he's trying to do is get Job convinced that, Job, you weren't at creation. But notice who was there before creation. Angels were there before creation. Who are these sons of God? These are angelic beings. Notice, if you were to go back to Job chapter 1, uh, remember, uh, Job has all of these things taken from him, his health, his family, his wealth. And, and, but when you first discover it, you see that there's a verse. Verse 6 in Job chapter 1 says that uh, the sons of God came to report to God. In other words, they were coming back and saying, the angels were coming back to God and saying, God, here's what we discover down there. And it says, Satan came with them. And then it is there that Satan said, let me, let me tempt Job. Let me, let me show you what Job's really made of. If you take these blessings away, he won't worship you anymore. But those are angels. Those are angelic beings when it says sons of God in that passage. So angels were created before creation. Secondly, angels were created to worship God, not to be worshipped. Multitudes of verses through the scriptures. Let me just give you two. Psalm 148, verse 1. I praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights above. Praise him all his, what? His angels. Praise him all his, say it with me, heavenly hosts. Those are the multitudes of angels giving him praise. Psalm 29, verse 1. Ascribe to the Lord your heavenly beings, O heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. That's what angels do. They glorify and they worship God. We see in the book of Revelation, there's a group of angels that just do that 24-7. They never leave the throne. While other angels are out ministering for you and fighting for you and moving things for you under God's command, there's a group of angels that all they do 24 hours a day is worship. That's what they're for. But all angels are created not to be worshipped, but to worship. Thirdly, angels were created to serve God's divine purposes for his people. Now that's you and me, born again followers of Christ. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14 says, let me cough real quick. <coughs> let me drink real quick. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14 says, Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? Who inherits salvation? Redeemed people. Through the blood of Jesus Christ. If you're born again, there are angels working on your behalf right now. I mean, this very moment. While you sit here, they're at work. Because whatever the enemy has planned for you this afternoon or tomorrow, they're fighting on behalf that it works for your good and not your harm. Psalm 103 verse 20 says, Praise the Lord, you angels. You, his angels, you mighty ones who do, his, who do his bidding and who obey his word. Angels obey God. When God commissions them to go serve you in some capacity, they don't argue. They don't ask for a better assignment. Seriously, God, I got to deal with green Roy today. Last time I did that, there was a train wreck. He's just a goofball. 
They don't argue with God. They submit and obey God. And it says, do his bidding. That means what God wants done, angels take care of for him. They listen for God to carry out his will on behalf of his church and for Christians. Here's an interesting verse. I don't think it's on the screen, but Matthew chapter 18. You remember the disciples were harassing the kids that were coming to Jesus, and Jesus was blessing the kids, and Jesus made this statement. He said, see that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I tell you that their angels, so they have angels watching over them, their angels in heaven see the face of the Father in heaven. A couple of things there. One is, don't jack around with kids. Because God's got angels that are watching over them. They may be innocent and they may be seemingly powerless and, and, and these children may be seemingly uh, uh, easy prey, except that they have angels. And you know what those angels, here's the second one, you know what those angels do? They look into the face of God to find out what God wants them to do for those children. Now, I will say that children grow up we're all grown-ups here. I believe the angels, these same angels, you have angels that look into the face of God on your behalf so that they will know what God wants them to do in being a ministering servant to you. So they look in the face of God to see what God wants, and they have complete access to see the face of God. So they're created to serve divine purposes. Third, fourthly, whatever we're at, Angels were created in great numbers. They were created in great numbers. We don't know how many angels. There's, there's, there's no way of knowing how many angels and demons that there are. There are scriptures that tell us a few things. Uh, Daniel chapter 7, verse 10. says, a river of fire was flowing. This is a vision he's seen coming out from before him. And thousands upon thousands attended him. 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. The essence is a buku of them. Such as when Jesus told Peter, how often should you forgive? 70 times 7. Well, we do the math and we say, okay, I got 489 forgivenesses left. No, the idea Jesus was giving is it's infinite. Just forgive. You say 10,000 by 10,000 of angels, that's not a mathematical term, that is countless, countless. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22 says, But you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly <clears throat> Jerusalem. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly. <coughs> Excuse me again. You have come to thousands upon thousands. So we have no idea of knowing. It is believed by most scholars that if we have angels looking in the face of God on our behalf, then it's reasonable to believe that there are at least as many angels as there have been people throughout history. The angels don't die. Now, there's a bunch of demons that are going to be cast into the lake of fire, but angels are eternal beings. So whatever angel was watching over Abraham, that angel's still out doing his business. 
I hope I've got him. He's, he was pretty good. He, he got Abraham where he needed to be. <clears throat> so there's just a bunch of them, folks. God's resources are not limited. The power of the blood of Jesus is not limited. And then the servants of heaven in the invisible realm who are commissioned and assigned to serve God's purposes in your life, they are not limited. <coughs> Man, excuse me, I got this thing going on here this morning. Angels, next, were created with personal attributes. Hear me now. Angels are not people. There are times they will appear as a person. Hebrews tells us, look, be careful when you entertain strangers because it could be <clears throat> that you're actually inter, inter, uh, interacting with, with an angel. They will appear as a person for a purpose and a moment, but they are not people. They do not have flesh and blood. But what they do have is the elements that make up personal attributes. Mind, will, and emotion. So they're not people, but they have personal attributes. Watch, watch this from the scriptures. They have intellect. 1 Peter 1.12 says, they long to fully understand God's plans. They want to know what God knows. That's why Jesus said their angel stares in the face of God to see what God knows and says. So they have intellect. They have the ability to think. They have a will. In Revelation 12, we see that a third of the angels chose to, re to revolt against God and follow Lucifer when Lucifer was cast down from heaven to the earth. And a third of those angels, we don't know how many that is, is a bunch. It's a bunch. But a third of them were cast out. They had a will to choose. Now, they are in the glorious, mighty, wonderful presence of God 24-7. And yet they chose to want to be like Lucifer. So they have a will. And thirdly, they have emotion. For instance, in Luke chapter 15, verse 10, Jesus says, when one is saved, the angels rejoice. That's emotional response to the salvation of people. You know why they rejoice? Because they've been doing battle for that soul. And when that soul is won, it's a victory cry. And they're running around the court, shame, you know, they're climbing the goalposts of heaven, they're whatever goes on, but they're rejoicing because they were battling for that soul and that soul came to Christ. So angels are created. They are supernatural, invisible, and eternal. <coughs> Psalm 8. Excuse me, folks. I'm going to take this microphone. <coughs> I promise it's not what you think it is. I was recently tested. It is a allergy situation that for whatever reason this morning has decided to lodge in my throat. I actually have two, but I can't speak with cough drops in my mouth. It'll go flying out. And David will have to catch it for me and toss it back up here. Try to get it back to me. So Psalm 8 says that we have been created a little bit lower than angels. I want you to see something here. We've been created a little bit lower than the angels. What that means is that um, we are in this physical realm that is corrupted by sin and evil and darkness. <clears throat> so we have to deal with that. So we're a little bit below the angels, but there's, gonna, there's a change. 
There's a change in that. What's this? 1 Corinthians 6.3 says that we, the redeemed, will one day judge the angels. How do we get there? We're lower than the angels now when we're created. How do we get there to judging angels? We've been redeemed by the blood of the Son of God. They're not redeemed. They didn't need to be redeemed. We are redeemed by that precious blood. Therefore, we are elevated above the angels because of Jesus Christ. That's, that's coming. Angels are not omnipresent. They cannot be everywhere at one time. They are not omnipotent. They, do not have, they have great power, which we're about to look at, but they can only have the power God has given them. They do not create their own power. And they are not omniscient. In fact, let me give you some more encouragement about us in regard to the angels of heaven. We're all on the same team, so we're not saying one's better than the other. But they don't know all things. They only know what God reveals to them. And Ephesians chapter 3 verse 10 seems to indicate that the angels are watching you for the purpose of understanding the mystery of God concerning Christ Jesus. They don't fully understand. They knew more of it than we ever did until we got saved and filled with his spirit. Now, Ephesians 3.10 seems to indicate that they are looking on us to understand it more. How's your angel doing? Is he getting straight A's? Or is he failing? <laughs> you may need to tutor him a little better. So they are not omnipresent, omnipotent, or omniscient. Then thirdly, in our last truth, the foundation this morning is this. <clears throat> Angels were created as powerful beings. 2 Thessalonians 1.7 says this, And give relief to who to you who are troubled, and to us as well. This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire, say it with me, with his powerful angels. Angels are powerful, okay? They're not cute little chubby babies with all these rolls of fat everywhere and, and a harp, okay? They are powerful, supernatural beings, and when God sends an angel on your behalf to do his bidding, they bring a supernatural, God-given power for your life. Demons are powerful. Luke chapter 8, you have a gentleman that's demon-possessed, and it says that they've chained him up over and over and over, and they tell Jesus, every time we chain him, he breaks the chains. How's he doing that? The demonic powers that have possessed him, because demons have power. Look at our world, <laughs> and the evil influence, the wickedness, the, the darkness over our world and you realize they have power. They have power. Oh, but angels do too. Let me share a few examples with you from the Bible concerning the power of these angels that serve on our behalf. In 2 Kings, 
you have an angel that comes from heaven, and during the night, he kills 185,000 Assyrian troops in one night. I want that guy on my side. That's the one I want. 185,000 armed troops, he kills them all in one night. That's power of your angels that are serving God for you. You have Matthew chapter 28. When the stone was rolled away from the grave, it says an angel came and rolled the stone himself. You have uh, Daniel chapter 3. You have some guys by the name of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You have them in a fiery furnace heated up multiple times, blazing hot. And when the king looks down in and he sees, he sees a fourth person that looks like the Son of Man. He sees an angel that has appeared in the fiery furnace with, Dan, uh, with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And you know what that angel is doing? He's keeping the fire back. It says they came out, their clothes were not scorched, and they did not even smell like smoke. He came with air freshener. Powerful air freshener into that furnace. I could use some of that too, Tom. <laughs> Daniel chapter 6. You have Daniel in the lion's den, right? He gets up the next morning. They lift him up out of the den. He's alive as alive can be. And the angel says, how did your God protect you? Daniel's response was, God sent an angel to shut the mouth of the lion. Angels are ministering servants sent to serve those who will inherit salvation. Now, if you read the book of Daniel, and we talked about Daniel last week when we talked about prayer, there were two chapters, chapter 9 and 10. Angel came and spoke to Daniel. And all. Angels are all over the place in the book of Daniel. And so I thought about that this week, and I realized, that I believe the Holy Spirit put this, this realization into me. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and the Hebrews were living in a very pagan land. And they were doing everything they could to remain holy. When everybody in the nation bowed down to the king at the sounding of the horn, those three boys remained standing. They were doing everything they could to maintain their holiness, their uniqueness of God, and their worship to God in a pagan land. So you know what I believe God did? I believe God sent angels into that pagan land to help his people who chose to worship him still and to follow him still and who were looking for the day of deliverance. I believe that because I go back to Jesus in the garden. And when Jesus is praying in the garden of Gethsemane, he's trying to get his disciples to stay awake for at least an hour and pray with him and they keep falling asleep. It says that after the third time that Jesus tried to get them to pray, it says an angel came and ministered to Jesus. When Jesus was in the wilderness, 40 days and 40 nights, praying and fasting on the third time that Satan tried to tempt him and he left, it says God sent an angel to minister to him. In a dark, despairing, overwhelming moment, God sent an angel to Jesus. In a pagan, darkened culture, God sent an angel to the den and to the furnace and to the people. I present to you, you and I live in a post-Christian culture. 
I believe there's founding of our nation that was rooted in biblical truth and biblical principle. Now, I don't know that all those gentlemen were, need to be sanctified or, you know, sainthooded, but they had in their heart to do what I believe God was having done, that this nation would be established on his principles. But we're far removed from that. We're far removed from that. We are in a, we are in Babylon. My mentor always calls this Babylon. He says, we're in Babylon. And just as Israel couldn't worship the same in Babylon as they had, we can't worship the same. Gone are the days of the, the all-night tarrying prayer meeting. And you just, it's just, but our pagan culture is, is thick. And so I, I say that not to discourage you. I say that to encourage you that if God holds true to his previous moments, there's angelic activity happening like nobody's business right now. And we're not looking for the angels. We're just glad they're on our side. We're just glad they are with us and they are for us, doing God's bidding. Revelation chapter 4, or I'm sorry, it's chapter 7. We see that four angels go to the four corners of the earth. Now, that does not mean that the earth is flat, my friends. You've got north, south, east, and west, the points of a compass at the each. One angel at the south, one at the north, one at the east, one at the west. And it says they are holding back the winds from the face of the earth. What they're holding back is the judgments of God that are about to come on the earth during the tribulation. But right now, they're pressing those back. Those can't happen until God tells them to let go. Whole, that's the power of God's angels. Also in Revelation, the angels darken a third of the sun, the stars, and the moon. Here's your application. So what does it all, what does it all mean? I'm going to give you just four simple things right here, and then we're going to close. Do not dismiss the supernatural realm. Paul could not have made it any clearer. People are not your problem. There is a warfare in the heavens. There is a warfare happening over the soul of you, your spouse, your children, your family, your church, your city, your community. Do not dismiss the supernatural realm of the spirit. Don't get weird about it. Jesus is Jesus, and Jesus is who you worship, and Jesus is who you look to. But start discerning that there's spiritual activity happening. Seek Jesus. Don't seek angels. Seek Jesus. He reigns the realm of the supernatural. Angels have been created by him and for him. So don't seek angels. Seek Jesus. Angels can't save you. Angels can't forgive your sin. Angels can't take you to heaven with them. They'll be there, but they can't take you there. You need the blood of Jesus. You need the one who could bleed for you. For without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. Jesus is your Redeemer. And when you're redeemed and filled with the Spirit of Christ Jesus, He commissions His angels. 
Don't go try to get your own angel. You'll fail. You might end up with a demon. They're, they're kind of out there just looking for something to do. Jesus is who you see. Know this, angels are at work for you right now. And lastly, you and I should make it a point to join the angels in sincere, heartfelt worship to God. You see, I told you that there are, <clears throat> all angels are created to worship God. But there's a class of angels that we see in the scriptures, the cherubim. Cherubim are a, are a higher level of angels. Their assignment is different than, than other angels. Remember principalities, powers, rulers, and authorities? Those are not only in the demonic realm. I believe that there are principalities, powers, rulers, and authorities in the, in the Christ realm with the angels. There's the, the host of angels. Those are, those are typically warring angels. And when they show up, there's a battle taking place somewhere. But cherubim are assigned to the throne of God. And they worship 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and have since the moment God created them, whenever that was before the creation of the earth. And they worship him. And they give him glory. You see, they are the closest created beings to the throne of God. They surround his throne. So they're the closest ones to him. And you know what they do? They worship God, but, but they, they, they don't have a great song selection. I mean, we got so many songs written for worship today that we could sing a different song till Jesus comes back and still not sing all of the, the old hymns that are great and the old worship tunes that are great and the new worship tunes that are great. But they seem to sing only one song. And we're not even sure they actually sing it. They declare it. I have a feeling their voices are just dynamic enough and powerful enough that it may sound as though they're singing. But they only declare one thing through all of eternity, the closest ones to God. They declare this, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and who is. And who is to come. And there's multitudes of those voices. Holy, holy. It says their voices are like thunder. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Who is and who was and who is to come. Holy, holy, holy. The closest created beings to God are so overtaken by His glory all they can say is holy. And how holy? Well, he's just, he, we can't explain it to you. We're closest to him, but we can't even explain it. He's just holy. Well, how holy? We got to know. No, he's holy. When you see that in Isaiah chapter 6, and the angels crying out, holy, holy, holy. To repeat it three times means he just is. Forget trying to figure it out. If you could just see him like we see him you'd understand holy. But all you would be able to say is holy, holy, holy. 